Let's take the word of God together this evening and turn again to the New Testament book of Luke, if you would, Luke chapter 2, and we'll read once again the first seven verses of Luke chapter 2, and then we'll look at a passage in uh, the 14th chapter of Luke as well. Luke chapter 2, turn there with me if you would please, and we're glad that you're with us. Let me also make another announcement. If, uh, if we do not yet have your details as to where you are living and you wouldn't mind for us to have those, please let us know. Me and a team of folks are going to do our best to visit every home uh, in this month of January, but if we don't know where you live, then we can't visit you. So if we don't have those details, then please make sure we get them so we can make a visit in your home in the month of January, and I'll have a team of folks helping me with that as well. Luke chapter 2, let's begin reading once again in verse number 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And we trust that God will bless the reading and hearing of his word tonight. It's that last phrase that catches my attention this evening. Look at it with me, please. There was no room for them in the inn. Really, you could say there was no room for him, the Lord Jesus, in the inn. You say, What's, well, what are you trying to say? I'm saying that from the time of Christ's birth until the time of his death, there was no room for Jesus in this world. From the time that he was born, he was despised and rejected of men, Isaiah tells us. John tells us that he came unto his own, and his own received him not. His own people rejected him, had no room for him. Luke records that his citizens hated him, Jesus giving a parable. And they sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. They had no room for Jesus. Luke tells us in another portion, in another parable, Jesus says, quoting the citizens of this land, this is the heir, they said of Jesus. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. No room. Constantly no room. Mark records that the stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. Luke says the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. Christ Jesus spent 33 years of his life in rejection. 33 years he walked this earth being pushed from place to place, rejected and rejected because there was simply no room for him. 
In fact, when he died, there was really no room for him in the ground either, so he had to borrow somebody else's grave, which was okay because he wasn't going to use it very long anyways. No room. Now you say that's historical, that's an his interesting historical fact, but let's bring it up to today. Is there any room in your life for Christ? Have you rejected the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Not me, you say. No, not me. I, I haven't rejected him. I may not be really uh, the person I should be, but I haven't rejected the Lord Jesus. Turn with me to the Old Testament book of Proverbs chapter 1, if you would please. I, you know, I, I may not be the Christian that I should be, or I may not be the person I should be, but I haven't rejected Jesus. Maybe I haven't followed him like I should, but I haven't rejected him. Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 20, listen to these words. Wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets, she crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the opening of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorn, in their scorning, and the fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Well, the Bible says something interesting has happened. Because I have called... And ye refused. I've stretched out my hand. No man regarded. I wonder tonight, does that describe you? Has the Lord called and said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But you have refused his calling. It's interesting to me that many times people uh, just have, the, have it backwards. They think, well, God... God is just not interested in, in me, and God, you know, he's just not interested in changing or saving me, but he calls and we refuse. He stretches out his hand and we disregard it. Every once in a while I do this to my children, especially my little ones. I put out my hand if we're walking, especially in a, a bit of a bumpy area. I put my hand out to help them, and oftentimes they don't want my hand. You ever seen that before? They don't need my hand. And how many times has God stretched out his hand to you and you have disregarded it? But ye have said it not all my counsel. You've ignored his counsel. And you would have none of his reproof and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. God says that when you get into trouble, I'm going to laugh at you because I've offered you my hand and I've offered you my counsel and I've offered you my reproof, but you wouldn't listen. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. You say, well, I have room for Jesus. I haven't rejected Jesus, but have you rejected his word? Have you ignored his word? Have you chosen to live life how you think it should be lived? 
Have you chosen to do your thing rather than his? They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. Would you look this way? There's a biblical principle that is found in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Be not deceived, Paul writes. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You cannot reject the counsel of God. You cannot refuse him over and over and expect to get good things in your life. It's folly. Foolishness. I wonder tonight, have you rejected him? Is there any room? Have you made any room for Christ? Luke chapter 14, I want you to look at it with me, please. We'll spend the rest of our time here. Jesus gives a parable. You're familiar with it if you've been around here. One of my favorite to preach from. Not necessarily my favorite uh, my, the, the parable I love the most is the prodigal son. This is uh, a close second or third. I love preaching from it. The Lord Jesus says in Luke 14, verse number 16, a certain man made a great supper, and he bade, or he invited many, and he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The entire world today makes excuses as to why they have no space and no time for Jesus. They began to all with one consent began to make excuse. The first one said, I bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. I'm busy, Lord. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. No room for Christ. No time for Jesus. Plenty of room for friends. And plenty of time for family. But no room and no time for Christ. Jesus says in the same chapter, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children... And his own life also, and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. If you love your family more than Jesus, you cannot be his disciple. If you love yourself more than Jesus, you cannot be his disciple. And by default, you reject him. Plenty of room for me. Plenty of room for my wishes and my desires and Plenty of time for my television program, isn't there? Plenty of time for my movies. Plenty of time for Facebook and social media. And plenty of time for comfort on my sofa. Plenty of time for my thrills and my joy rides. Plenty of time for my hobbies and my toys. But do you have any time for Jesus? Time for holidays and time for football and Time for all I've ever dreamed of, but no time for Christ. No room for Jesus. Plenty of room for a new piece of land. Plenty of room for five yoke of oxen. New stuff. Plenty of space for my new things. But you know, Lord, I, because I'm so busy with my new ground, my new place, my new land, because I'm so busy with my new oxen or my new car, 
my new job. I'm too busy with my new wife. I'm too busy with my children. I'm so busy. I just don't have time. No space for you, Lord. It's amazing to me how we will make time and we will make space for everything except Jesus. Plenty of time. They made excuses. Excuse after excuse after excuse. I heard somebody say one time, it doesn't really matter what the excuse was. All of their excuses were the same. At the end of the day, when you stand before God Almighty and you bring your excuse, all of your excuses are the same. They say the same thing. They may be different in color and different in flavor, but in essence, they say the same thing. They say this, I'm not coming. Uh, but, but i got a good excuse. I've got a good reason. At the end of the day, no excuse is good. No reason is good enough. When you stand before God Almighty, it doesn't matter what it is. It's not good enough. No excuse for not having time for Christ, for not coming to Him. But you know, God is different. One thing I love about God, and the more I read His Word, and the more I, I, I learn of Him and spend time in His presence, the more I begin uh, to, to understand Him. I have a long way to go, and I, I would not presume to say I understand the Almighty, but I'm learning more of Him and, and understanding more of who He is. And the more you read his word and the more you spend time with him, you begin to see that he's very different than man, isn't he? It's interesting to me from the time that Jesus was born to the time that he was dead and in the grave. Man had no room for him. But you find here in this portion, this amazing parable, after all these people couldn't have time and room for him, the Bible says here in our text, in Luke chapter 14, that he has time and room for you. Amazing. That the creator God of the universe that looks down upon 8 billion people, upon the world that he spoke into existence, that God has time and room for you. And how absolutely insane it is that we wouldn't have time for him. How embarrassing how utterly backward it is that the creator of the universe would have time for me when I haven't got time for him. How silly we are. How foolish we are. After these people made excuses, the Bible says uh, that he sent, he sent another servant. That servant came back to the master and showed his Lord these things. He told his master, look, I know you told these people, you invited these people to come, but, but they've made excuses. They don't want to come. And the Bible says in our text that the master of the house being angry said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. Now if there's anybody that had excuses as to why they couldn't come, here were some good excuses. Here were some people who had excuses. They were poor. I don't have anything to wear to your wedding feast. I can't afford it. I I'm not welcome there. I'm not fit to sit before a king. But that's exactly who the Lord is looking for. Those who know they've got nothing to offer. And he provides it all for them. The poor, 
not just the poor, but the Bible says uh, that the maimed, those whose, whose lives have been wrecked by life, they've been disfigured by troubles and tragedies and difficulties in life, and they hide away in a dark corner somewhere because they, don't, they know that if people look upon them, that people will stare, that people will think bad of them. And they said, I surely couldn't go to such a meeting. Surely I wouldn't be invited. And that's the one for whom Jesus came. Those who have been broken by life. There are many of us who have done the breaking. But there are those who have been broken by life. They don't even know how to pick up the pieces. And the Lord Jesus said, go for that one. Bring him in. The poor, the maimed, the halt. Those who can't walk. I'd like to go, but I can't get there. I can't even walk. Haven't got a car and, and haven't got a horse. And, and I, I can't get there. And the Lord says, you go and you bring him. Those are the ones the Lord Jesus is looking for. Those who can't even get there themselves. And the Bible says in the next, next little phrase, the blind. Those who can't even see. I'd like to get to Jesus, but I don't know how to get there. I don't know where he is. And Christ sent his servants out to bring those people in. They had excuses. But you know what the interesting thing was? God provided for them. God provided for them in their weakness and their brokenness. God provided a way. You see, the, the interesting thing is all of our excuses are... I've got, I'm too busy. I've got uh, other previous engagements and I've got these things. They're, they're worth nothing. Those excuses don't mean a thing. But when you have a, a real brokenness of heart and mind, the Lord meets you there. And he fulfills that weakness, that which you lack, he brings so that you might be brought to himself. The scriptures say that that was done and, and uh, the Bible says the servant said to the Lord, it's done as thou hast commanded and look at these next four words, yet there is room. Amen. Now, can I tell you, would you look here for a second? The very fact that we're still alive today and Jesus has not come back yet is evidence that there's still room. I don't know, uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's too late for me. Maybe I can't be saved and, and maybe there's no more space and no more time. No, no, no. If you're alive and breathing, the Bible says that there's hope joined to the living. As long as you're alive and your lungs are, 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 are moving and your heart is beating and blood is flowing through your veins, there's hope. The Bible says a dead dog is better than a lion. If you're alive today, you might be, you might be a, a living dog. Pardon me. is better than a dead lion. That's what it is. A living dog is better than a dead lion. You might be nothing more than a despicable dog, but if you be alive, there's hope for you. There's hope. Come to Christ. There is still room, yet there is room. Maybe today you're thinking, I don't know. I don't know if there's room for me. I love this because there's room in his house, it says. Room in his kingdom. I was listening to a sermon recently by Charles Spurgeon. It wasn't his voice, somebody else's. And Spurgeon mentioned this. He said, there's room in the fountain for you. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. There's room for you in the fountain. Revelation chapter 21 is a beautiful portion that speaks about how the, all of this world will pass away but there will be a new heaven. John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there were no more... There was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down from heaven out of, 
from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Did you, give the, did you get that? I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. There is room for you tonight. You say, is there, could it possibly be for me? The question is this, are you thirsty? If you be thirsty, there's room. I will give unto him that is a thirst. If there's a longing in your soul, in your heart for God and for to be made right with God, to be justified with God through Christ, the scriptures say that he will give to you of the fountain of the water of life freely. There's room. Come and drink. Come and be washed. But you've got to come. Maybe tonight you realize that your sins are, are, are like crimson. The prophet once said, though your, though your sins be as scarlet, yet shall they be white as snow. Will you come? There's room in the fountain for you. There's room in his family for you. We read earlier in John chapter 1, he came unto his own and his own received him not. His own people rejected him. Do you know what it is to be rejected by your own people? His own people rejected him. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Would you look this way for a moment? There are people all over the world today rejecting him. He came unto his own and his own refused to receive him. They rejected him, but there are some. Although the whole world reject Jesus, the Bible says, as many who ever received him. Surely not me. There can't be any room for me in the family of God. I'm too wicked. My heart is too black. I'd never fit in the family of God. I'd stand out like a sore thumb. No, 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 no. As many as received him. There is room for whoever will receive him. If you will receive Jesus Christ, tonight there's room for you. If you will not reject him, but instead receive, run to him because you know you need him. And the Bible says that he will receive you. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. There's room for those who will receive him. Power. He gives you the ability to become his child in his family. The question is not, is there room for me? No, no, no. Rather, the question is, will you come? Is there room for Christ? And I don't believe the Lord Jesus wants a little bit of shelf space, like a Christmas card above your mantle. The Lord Jesus isn't, isn't looking for, to, for you to squeeze him into your busy schedule. That's not what I'm saying, and that's not what this is saying. Is there any room for Jesus as if, as if you just give him a spare second or two? Because when you understand what it is 
to be received of Christ and to receive Christ, you realize it is an entire deal. It's an all or nothing operation. It isn't giving him just a second of your time and a fraction of your time. I'll go to church once or twice a week to do my duties. Wrong. That's not Christianity. That is not Christianity. If that were the case, there are millions and millions who go into services all over, the, all over the country and all over the world for an hour or two every week. No, no, that's not receiving Christ. To receive Christ is to die to self so that his life becomes your life. That's what it is. The Apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's what I mean when I say, is there room in your life for Christ? Are you willing to die? Are you willing to squash all of your previous engagements and affections? Are you willing to say, no, not, not I, but Christ? Are you willing to say, I am dead to the world and the world is dead to me? That's what it is to have room for Christ. I wonder today, do you have room for him? Jesus said something interesting one time. He said, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Why would you call me Master? Why would you call me Lord and then not do what I've commanded you to do? I wonder today, have you any room for him? Perhaps the reason some of you have not yet come to Christ is because you haven't counted the cost. We spoke briefly from Luke chapter 14 and verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You see, the key and the pathway to having room for Jesus Christ is by carrying a cross. Dying daily. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest haply after he hath laid the foundation he is not able to finish it all that behold it begin to mock him. Saying this man began to build and was not able to finish it. Or what king goeth to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand. Or else, while the other is a great way off, he sendeth an ambassador and desireth conditions of peace. Now watch this. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. Amen. Forsake all. That's what I mean by having room for Christ. Not a slot here and not getting your timetable out to see if you can fit him in here and there. No, no, no. It's giving him your timetable and saying, here, it's yours. Have you done that? Is he your Lord and your Savior? I wonder tonight, is there room for Christ in your life? If there is, he'll take it all. He'll accept nothing less. He will have nothing less. He will not settle on having part of your life. The Lord Jesus is not interested in doing a little bit of a deal with you and 
You give him 30% of your time and you keep the other 70%. Doesn't work like that. He's interested in you laying all upon the altar tonight and saying, not my will but thine be done. There's room for you, no doubt about it. But is there room for him in your heart, in your life tonight? Let's bow together in prayer. Father in heaven, forgive us for trying to bargain with you, for trying to strike up a deal. We pray, Lord, that tonight we might be those who have wholeheartedly died to self and risen anew in Christ. We ask of thee, Lord, to help us this evening. Forgive us for making time for everything and everyone else except for thee. Oh, Lord, teach us, we pray. Help us, we pray. May we not be those who reject our Savior and his word. May we not be those who, who turn our back upon the only one who gives us life. May we recognize tonight that all of our excuses are, are feeble. And may we, instead of making excuses tonight as to why we cannot come, may we run to thee this evening. I pray for those tonight who are, who are struggling. They find themselves amongst the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. Perhaps they hear the invitation, they hear the call, but can't figure out how to get there. Help them to see thy love, Lord. Help them to see the provision that thou hast made for them to come to thy own dear Son. Help them this evening, we pray. Bring them gently to the Savior. We ask of thee, Lord, to put urgency upon the matter that we might find ourselves yielding more and more unto Christ, holding back less and less, dying more and more to the, to the flesh, to self, so that Christ may truly live in us. Help us in this matter, we ask, for we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.